RAC's post-op podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. The incidence of trauma resulting in domestic violence would probably shock a lot of people. In Australia, a report from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare showed that more than 29,000 people had at least one hospital stay due to family and domestic violence in the seven years between 2010 and 11 and 2017 and 18. In fact, the leading cause of homicide in Australia and Aotearoa, New Zealand, is domestic and family violence, mostly against women. Surgeons are very much on the front line dealing with trauma in a medical sense, but they're also in a position to help mitigate future harm. Rax Fellow, Associate Professor Payal Mukherjee, would like to see more education within the surgical community on how to help prevent family and domestic violence. On November 10th this year, during Trauma Week, Associate Professor Mukherjee and Dr Ken Harrison, a Fellow of the Australian and New Zealand College of Anaesthetists, will be convening a joint symposium to address family violence. First, Chris Ashmore asks Associate Professor Mukherjee how common are hospital admissions associated with domestic violence? I suppose the most common cause of assault-related hospital admissions, particularly affecting women, is due to family violence. Family violence, look, it's about 6,500 admissions a year. And interestingly, of those admissions, the most common cause are head injuries. The other thing is also that if there's been one hospital stay due to family violence, the likelihood of having numerous hospital stays are higher. So one in eight people who've had one hospital stay would have had more than one hospital stay due to family violence associated trauma. Mm. I don't know if you can answer this, but is the incidence of trauma and um, hospital admissions through domestic violence, has that increased in recent years? It's hard to say. Certainly we see spikes of it, such as in and around COVID, there was a huge risk of increasing admissions. But the other thing is also you see different spikes of it in different age groups. So the 15 to 44-year-old age group, particularly for women, they're the highest risk groups as far as age is concerned. But of course, uh, we know that the hospital admission for trauma for Aboriginal patients is also much higher. So they're also at risk group. And I suppose the reason to bring that up is if you're a clinician, if you're a surgeon being called to attend to these patients, just to be cognizant of those stats enables you to dig a little bit deeper in the mode of trauma. Well, I suppose there's an assumption in the community that social workers would be at the front end of dealing with these issues. But is there a role for surgeons who no doubt would be confronted with victims of domestic violence? Is there a role that surgeons can play? I think, you know, you bring up this, even the way you frame the question is important because the perception amongst surgeons in general is that family violence is a social issue, it's not a medical issue. But as clinicians, we're trained to not just treat the trauma, but also set in place ways to mitigate future harm due to trauma. So trauma prevention as opposed to trauma treatment. And so if we sort of, you know, put the same lens on family violence, it is absolutely front and centre for surgeons to be educated 
about family violence because, you know, just even looking at those stats, if you've had a patient present to a hospital with family violence and you're treating them, not understanding the mitigation strategies for future admission basically means that you've not really, you know, done your job well as a surgeon. So it is important to recognize. It's important to understand that there's help and other professionals available to assist you, that you're not alone. It's a team sport. Trauma is a team sport and to just be cognizant of who the team is. But surgeons are often the first in a hospital setting. We have tremendous power over our patients because uh, we are trustworthy figures. The patient's most likely going to confide in you when you ask about the motive um, injury. And so it is really important that we understand the complications um, that allows us to keep our patients safe and prevent any future admissions for trauma. What are some signs in how it affects the workforce? It affects the workforce in two ways. One is in a, in a professional manner when we're actually addressing the victims and also understanding the implication of um, children if the children are, are put in the way of harm. But also in another sense, we have a responsibility to our peers and, um, you know, with one in three women being affected by this, it should not be a surprise that there are our peers or our trainees, colleagues may also be affected by family violence and that hasn't obviously has a clear impact on their function at the workforce and to be able to support them through that journey uh, if they are and and to keep them safe at work um, and make sure that they're able to provide care in that sometimes in an environment of duress that they may be facing is really important. And what can the college do do you think? Well, I think firstly, there's lots that we can do and lots that we are doing. Um, The first thing is um, to destigmatize family violence. The second thing is change the lingo around it. Um, This is not a social issue. It is a medical issue. We need to start to think about this as a medical issue. And it is really core to the curriculum for trauma surgeons because this is an aspect of trauma. And then the third thing is develop educational modules for surgeons, um, especially targeting the trauma groups, knowing that, you know, especially the groups that deal with head injuries are going to be faced with it even more than um, the other trauma surgeons. There are ways that we've got to really target it and make it specialty specific. So trauma surgeons are better educated. uh, And we know that surgery is quite complex because every specialty has its own form of training. So apart from the college also then needs to filter into our societies in how they then put this in as core lingo. And it does, when I talk about education, it doesn't just need to be in the training, but we need to have this being presented as research in our conferences and meetings as well. So the data gets disseminated. There's a tremendous amount of research and data already. It just doesn't make it into our core curriculum. So we don't talk about it and disseminate it and it still exists as a social issue than a medical issue. And we know that from the Royal Commission, the WHO report, they all point to the fact that the medical profession, including surgery, are not well trained to deliver care to these groups. And we are falling short of service, not just at the time the patient presents, but also in preventing future injuries. Well, that's great. Uh, You've mentioned the college is doing a fair bit. Can you tell me a little bit about 
what the next steps are and um, what the college is intending to do? Yeah. um, So firstly, the college has a position paper on family violence, but the college has realised that we're not facing this as a silo and what we need to do is pull our colleagues together from other colleges to make sure that we have uh, uniformity in how we are targeting our workforce. One of the things that we're doing in 2022 is as part of Trauma Week in November, we're going to have a joint um, inter-college headed by RACS, of course, um, a symposium on addressing family violence, which we're drawing in numerous stakeholders across the health system to help us um, really take this to the next level. And I'm really, really impressed by the commitment from, you know, right from the top and and numerous arms of the college in now putting this into action items with respect to developing educational uh, material in our core curriculum, but also really making sure that this actually filters into our workforce and we're accountable to the outcomes that we set. So that's in the short term, but I'm hoping that through the symposium, each year we're going to be really filtering through our workforce and making this sort of, you know, very core to one of the things that we do. And I think Rax is going to be championing it, which I'm really, really proud of. And I love the interest and enthusiasm that we've seen from the other colleges in partnering with us. Associate Professor Payal Mukherjee. You can find details of the Symposium on Family and Domestic Violence in the show notes to this episode. RAC's Post-Op Podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. You can reach the Bongiorno National Network on plus 613 9863 3111.